how Jesus prayed. One thing I will no longer do, and what I used to do, is give you a method. Tell you how to pray. As in, like this. <clears throat> All right? Or you can lay down if you have to, and you go to sleep sometimes. A lot of people do pillow prayers. You know? <laughs> I'm not going to give you the list of pray through these things, even though I have my mini list. That's mine. Get your own. <laughs> um, because what happens, if I were to give you a method or tell you how to, it's very possible that becomes a routine. And you don't want to get stuck into a routine that's not God-inspired. If God gives you a list, fantastic. If he gives you a method, that's great. But what I want to do this morning is point out something and tell you what to look for right from the start. And that is, what's the heart of prayer? Not how, but what's the heart of it? So that when you do pray, it's not about your method and your tone and the words you use, but it is about your connection with the Holy Spirit, your connection with who God is in you. you. If you want to learn how to pray, there are tons and tons of books out there on intercession, and then you got to get this thing, then you got to do the 24-hour prayer, then you, then you got to do the fasting prayer, then the list goes on and on, and you can be so distracted studying prayer, you don't pray. Same thing with ministry. I grew up in uh, a church where we're there all the time. We were there Sunday mornings at, uh, by 8.30, we had to leave and be there for quarter to nine because there was the English service. And then we ended about 10 to 10, and then the Sunday school started from 10 until uh, quarter to 11. And then you had to come into the German service. And then in the evening, at 7 o'clock, we had to come and, and do church for the evening service. But that's when the wonderful world of Disney started at 6. We could never see the end. So... <laughs> and we didn't have PVRs back then. <laughs> so, and then Monday night was kids club. You know, the guys uh, had their boys club and, and the girls had their Piner girls and all that stuff. Oh, then Wednesday, we had to come back and do church on Wednesday night. Um, and then if you're in the choir, you stay after that service for a long choir practice. And my mom was in the choir. <laughs> so you can imagine how many times we had to, oh yeah, and then on Saturdays was evangelism day because that's the only day you do evangelism. And they went door to door with the bus ministry and all that kind of stuff. The point is, we were so busy doing church. I, I, nobody taught me about a relationship. They really didn't. It was, there was an internal truth that I love Jesus. I always have. What it looked like changes over the years. But I'm tired of doing church. And I'm not doing prayer. Usually one of the top things pastors tell people to do when they're struggling with their relationship with God is, well, do you pray? Do you read your Bible? Do you go to church? Are you tithing? And you got the, the tithing has to get in there, right? So it, it's unbelievable how they connect the doings with feeling distant from God. And they never bother telling the truth. You're not distant from him. You never were, never have been. You were always close. Even if you think he's far away, that's an impossibility that he actually is. It's just in your thinking. We've covered that one really well here. But I want to take a look at how Jesus prayed. And 
I believe you're going to find some neat nuggets to encourage you in understanding him, which will draw you to him in prayer. I want you to catch his heart through this whole thing. First, the most popular is Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer. The disciples came to him and asked, teach us how to pray. Why would they bother doing that? Why would they ask Jesus how to pray? It's because Jesus obviously demonstrated something that they saw was of value to him. They said, ooh, he's doing something pretty neat. I want to do that too. How do I do it? And so he gives them a direction. Do you know what he does? He begins with our father. He starts with his daddy, his papa. And he begins to take them through, and I believe it's an old covenant prayer. It's clearly an old covenant speaking into the law. All right? This is not the intent forever to pray this prayer. It's a meaningful prayer. But that, it was not his intent to make that the prayer. And now we call it the Lord's Prayer. Really, it was the disciples' prayer. He t- was teaching them how to pray. Some person put in Lord's Prayer, and now we uh, repeated it whenever we want to feel spiritual or feel a closeness to God. Uh, at a funeral that I did, you know, family asked, can we do the Lord's Prayer? It brought comfort to them. There's a place for it. But unfortunately, in a lot of grace circles, we tend to write off anything that's even remotely close, uh, close to law and say, nope, can't do it, can't do it. Folks, the whole scripture is for us. Not everything is written to us, but we get to benefit from the whole of it. We don't write off anything and say, that's unimportant now. No, there is value. There are things to learn. So that was, that was neat. He, he taught them how to pray because they asked. He was modeling something. They watched the modeling, and they wanted to follow in their master's footsteps. So that was the heart of the teacher, mentoring those he was mentoring. Pretty good heart. Then in Matthew 11, it says, At that time Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. A praise. Out loud. Showing the demonstration of praising who? His Father. Pointing again to the Father. At this point in history, the only picture of who Father was was Old Testament scriptures. They had a very narrow and unclear picture of who the Heavenly Father was. It wasn't until Jesus came that the real picture of who Daddy God was became clear. For he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Nobody knows the Father but the Son. So Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. They're one. So everything that is true about Jesus is true about the Father. That makes the Father suddenly approachable, unlike other pictures that we've been sold. It's almost like it's a progressive revelation as you read through it, and finally we come to the pinnacle, the arrival of Christ, who is the revelation. That's a neat way to read the scriptures. So praise. Matthew 14, 23 says, After he had dismissed them, he went up to the mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. And again, here in Luke 6, one of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. This is part of the modeling. This is not the to-do list. 
just in case. Oh, I want, to, I want to be spiritual. I better do those things. No. You get to. You don't have to. You get to. And as the Holy Spirit draws your attention to him, you can go and spend some time. But there is a benefit to going alone where it's quiet. In some of our homes today, it's going to be impossible. <laughs> Especially if you have young kids or teenagers or whatever. You know, if you're an empty nester, you have a better chance of finding a quiet spot. That's how it works. But there was a benefit of going away regularly because he was cultivating a relationship. It's like a husband and wife getting together, just having coffee. Did, have you two, 29 years today, so have you guys done a lot of coffee and, and connecting times or did you just go to work and meet at 7 a.m. only for like half an hour and that was your relationship? See you tomorrow again, 7 a.m., half an hour, right? Punch card. No, you cultivate it. But why do we treat God that way? Oh, we've got to have our quiet time. What are you talking about? The quiet time. The devotional time. Because I'm, I'm showing my devotion. To whom? From inside. There's a pull to every single person here. There is a pull. If you don't feel it and you don't hear it, doesn't mean it's not there. Begin to listen for it, and only the Holy Spirit will draw your attention to be able to hear that call to chat with him. Whether it's while you drive, walk, do dishes, laundry, whatever, uh, in your job, at your desk, at, uh, on the construction site, there is an always time, always time, to talk and think the thoughts of God as he thinks his thoughts in and through you. Remember, you've been given the mind of Christ. Not only does he want to live his life through you, he wants to think his thoughts through you as well. Trust him. Luke 22 says, But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. This is powerful. Most times when we pray, we say, Lord, stop the pain of this person's life. It's crazy what they're walking through. Stop it, stop it, stop it. And that's a great heart. It's wonderful. But Jesus prays for his main disciple, not to deliver him from the journey, but pray for his faith. That is a profound thing to pray for for others. There are people going through um, the results of really poor choices. <laughs> Do you know anybody like that? That's how you pray for them. You pray for their faith. Because chances are, God probably hasn't told you what the answer will be. And you can create your own hope. Oh, I hope it'll be this. So it must be God, you know, saying that this is the answer to the prayer. Well, how many times has that happened and it's never been the result? So how about just pray for their faith? Say, Father, I cannot imagine the pain they're walking through. Please show them your peace. Reveal the peace that's in them already. Encourage their faith. Draw their eyes to you as they journey this terrible, terrible thing. Yesterday, I, I buried a two-month-old baby. That was brutal. Brutal. And they didn't want any God talk in this at all. I was not allowed to mention God. All the prayers were taken out, everything. All the scriptures were replaced with poems. They were ticked off with him. And do you blame them? No. But the stuff that I did read, get this. They had a candle lighting ceremony. Every relative came up and lit a candle to show light. And the thing I read was that they gave me, and I tweaked it a touch, 
but it talks about light being in all things. And, and you know, the, this is a reminder of the light of our little one, which is powerful. But I, I kind of leaked it to the family because they wanted a prayer. So we went to another room and had prayer, and it was filled with all these people. They just we had a short prayer. And I told them, there's no God talk in this. But listen for the light. Because the light is the life of Christ. Because his light shines where? Through darkness. And even if the darkness does not comprehend it, it's still there. And this couple's walking through a brutal darkness. Five years of trying to have a child. Two miscarriages. One of them was twins. And now this. We're not called to give answers, folks. And no cliches. Well, it must have been the Lord's will. Don't you ever say that at a funeral. I'll pop you myself. Like, really? <laughs> Pray for their faith. And for this couple, I'm praying for their faith. Because it is there. They just can't see it right now. They're so darkened in their pain. So I'll be praying that they will experience the joy of a child again. But if for faith we pray. John 11. So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you have sent me. There are times where out loud prayers are important. <laughs> this is one of them. Jesus out loud prays because there's a crowd gathered. A miracle is about to happen. Lazarus, come out. But he prays so the people would hear and see who the source of the miracle is. Do you remember me talking about the concept that Jesus, the man, did no miracles? Okay. Now some of you are new, you may think, Huh? He did a whole ton of them. No, he did not. The man did not. It tells us in Acts that it was God doing the miracles through Christ. God, the Father, Papa, was the source. As Jesus abided in the Father, God was telling him things. It was constant communication, a conversation, a relationship thing. So even as Jesus is walking and there's a person needing healing on the side, the Father says to him the stuff he needs to know about that person. It was moment by moment, instant by instant abiding. And then when he healed, the Father told him, go heal that person. And he went over and healed them. He did it with confidence. Why? Because his daddy told him to. He had every confidence in trusting his father's words. How many fathers today have broken promises, promised this and that to their kids, to their spouse, and none of us are perfect. But there is one father who will never break his word. He is always there, always speaking truth and life and love into us. Out loud prayer? He was showing who the father was again pointing to the source of the miracle that was about to happen. It's pretty cool. Hebrews 5, 7 says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. I think he was heard because of his relationship. Jesus knew his father. 
And guess what? Where does Jesus live right now? In you. And when you pray, you pray spirit to spirit. Every prayer is heard. Every prayer. Every prayer is answered. We just don't like some of the answers. No. Well, then I'm going to pray harder. In fact, I'm going to get 100 people to pray with me because I don't like that answer. <laughs> Every prayer is answered. Yes, no, wait a while. His timing. Or I have another idea in play here. You're going to be okay to submit your prayer to me and let me work it out? Are you okay with that? Or does it have to be your way? I think our prayers, when we pray, are to be open-handed, free, for God to move around the pieces as he needs to, for he sees the whole picture. Matthew 19. One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. But Jesus said, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And he placed his hands on their heads and blessed them before he left. He loved children. And we need to become like children. Not so much in our behavior, but in our attitudes of teachability, believing what he tells us. Children believe everything you tell them. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> I had one guy at one church, drove Lori and I nuts. He went up to our kids and promised, oh, your mom and dad are taking you to McDonald's afterwards. Never told us about it. <laughs> like, they'll believe anything. You tell them, this, you know, whatever story, they believe your stories because they're wired to believe. I remember in my history of um, working through some of the counseling stuff, discovered that we believe adults growing up. And if we hear a lie and believe it, we may need to go back to that lie in our minds. The Holy Spirit has to do the work and teach us the truth and speak to that person, that 12-year-old, 11-year-old person we were that believed a lie and speak truth to that person again so they can believe and watch the internal history begin to change. So internal healing can come. The Holy Spirit does that work. It's powerful. John 12. Now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the very reason I came. Father, bring glory to your name. Then a voice spoke from heaven saying, I have already brought glory to my name and I will do so again. And when the crowd heard the voice, some thought it was thunder while others declared an angel had spoken to him. Would you trust the opinion of people or the opinion of Jesus? I would say it was his daddy talking. Because he recognized his voice. We're flooded with voices all around us. Which one is his voice? There are some that sound so close, but it's not his voice. The good news is, he's big enough to get your attention. If he has a message for you, he'll get it through, don't you worry. Instead of being afraid, oh no, I don't want to miss the will of God, I want to hear his voice, oh, I'm going to be 
Satan's so deceiving. Oh no. And you can be all scared and live in fear. I better read another book. Like, Stop it. Stop living in fear. Ooh, fear. I heard a good acronym for fear. Shoot. What's it? What is it now? <laughs> I can't remember. I'll, I'll blog it. You'll, you'll see it on the blog. I have it in my phone, but it's on my desk. You'll like it. <clears throat> anyway, enough of distractions. Keep going. Types of prayers. Matthew 19. Oh, we did that one already. What motivated Jesus to pray? This is critical. Remember, not method, but heart. I want you to look at his heart. Watch this. First, in John 17, he prays for the disciples. I'm going to read this through for you because there's a lot. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Remember, this is Jesus' prayer. Okay, he's praying. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you. Do you realize every gift you have is from your heavenly Father? In the same way. Just as Jesus abided in the Father, we are to live like Jesus in this way to abide in him. Period. Not copy of stuff. Not go running around doing all the stuff he did. He did not say, what would Jesus do? WWJD. It's watch what Jesus does. It's a better way to repen that term. Because he is doing a work in you. He's already begun the work. Trust him with this. Everything you have is a gift. For I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you. So clearly the disciples know already. They know where Jesus came from. And yet, why do they flip-flop? Why do they keep faltering? Not sure. But that happens to us too. <laughs> so let's not judge each other. It gets better. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I'm departing from the world, and they are staying in this world. But I am coming to you, Holy Father. You have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name, so they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so, they'll, so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction as the scriptures foretold. Now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. That line's critical. How many times have we pulled out the Bible to bash somebody or try to correct them? Say, ha! The Bible says you should not do that or you should be doing this. And we are, we're Maybe you don't come from the same background I do, but that's my background. It stinks because it's tainted um, the imagery of, of religion and, and what freedom and faith can look like. But here, he told them things so they will be filled with joy. Are you filled with joy when you hear of good news? You hear somebody wants to be baptized. You hear somebody coming to a, a place of faith to believe. Are you filled with joy? Or is it, that's ah, nice. Next. Yeah. What's going on here? Are you so disconnected from the purpose of the Trinity in your life that you forget relationship? That you forget joy? That's what this is about. I have given them your word. 
and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. It's like your mama saying, I brought you in this world, I can take you out. <laughs> it's not it at all. <laughs> Instead, he's not going to take away the pain of our journeys necessarily. Does he? Yes. Can he? Yes. Does he always? No. And I can't figure that one out. I think I'd be really rich if I did, because I could sell that for sure. But that's a key thing. I'm not asking to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. Now, that evil one is, doesn't necessarily mean Satan, because in the translation, it's saying from evil. They put the one in as an extra word, and the word evil in that context means from hardships, from the difficulties of life, from the hard toiling, all the things that come at us on a regular basis. Very, very important. Um, where are we here? What? 16? Okay. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. The word holy here is sanctify them. That is to help them mature, to become who they already are. You are holy. Why are you holy? Because you are one with Christ. Therefore, you are holy. I bought a book a long time ago, mostly because I had to, because it was part of camp training, uh, The Pursuit of Holiness by Jerry Bridges. Great book, I loved it. But the implication was that I wasn't holy. It did not tell me I was already holy. You are holy. You don't have to become holy. Once you believe you're holy, you start acting like who you really are. Know who you are. All right. I'm really getting lost here. Here we go. 18. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. How was Jesus sent in this world? He abided in the Father, relied on his Father moment by moment, instant by instant, in the same way we have been called to live like Christ, to abide in him, learn to hear his voice, and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. To experience. It's one thing to know. It's one thing to believe the Bible's true and believe the verses, but to actually experience emotionally with feelings the power of God and the love of God. Father, I want these whom you have given to me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. Oh, righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. You want to know the Father? Get to know Jesus. And you will know the Father. And these disciples know you sent me, for I have revealed them to you, 
and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. Wow. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. Does the love of Christ permeate your heart? It's there. But somehow, I think it takes time for him to heal a lot of our false beliefs about who he is. He so gently comes along and walks us on a journey. Each one of us are on a separate journey. We, can, we, we congregate together and have a good time and fellowship, but each one is on their own journey. Next. In Matthew, he prays for himself. He went up a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, Father, is it possible? Let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. He prays three times. The man, Jesus... Wouldn't you have counseled him, say, now, you're Jesus. You shouldn't think thoughts like that because that can contaminate you. You know, you've got to have right thinking or, you know. No. Jesus was human. He was allowed to experience the anguish and grief. In fact, he was so overwhelmed, so disturbed with what was about to happen, emotionally messed up. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, My Father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. Then he went to pray for a third time, saying the same thing. And each time the disciples were sleeping. (laughs) Can't you guys stay awake? I thought you were friends. (laughs) The body is tired, but the spirit is willing. Ain't that the truth? Try developing new disciplines in your life. (laughs) There you go. That one's really true. And then Luke... I love this ending. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. Not the method, but the heart. He had just finished praying the night before, deliver me if, you, if, if I could, but I need to do this. He was prepared. And even after, listen, submitting himself The Father, Son, and Spirit submitted themselves to the soldiers, to the flogging, to the priests. He allowed it to happen. Trinity does submit to us. The Trinity is so confident in who He is and who they are as one, they're not worried of being misunderstood. They have everything they need. They are perfect love. And they submitted to our world to be killed. Willingly. And in that pain of stuff nailed through, all the way through, whipped, beaten, you name it, the heart of Christ comes out. Forgive them. They have no clue what they're really doing. They don't have the whole picture. Do you have that heart for people? Once in a while you do. If you know people really well and love them, it's easier. For people you don't know, can you say that? I'm just showing you how deep the Father's love is for you. Before you even said, I believe, he was doing this, he was showing love. You had no part in it. He never asked you permission to die for you but he did it. 
He didn't ask your permission to love you. He did it. Now, what's your response? Love like Jesus? God, believe him first. If you're not sure what his love looks like, ask him. Let the Holy Spirit transform your mind to think the way he wants you to think. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, show us the heart of Christ. As we see his heart, we'll see your heart, and they are one. They're the same. Father, for those of us who have really bad concepts of who you are, even lingering shadows of lies in closets in our minds, can you remove those? Would you keep revealing your goodness? Thank you for being our journey of discovering who you are as we grow deeper and deeper in our knowledge and understanding of your love and grace. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.